Has anybody heard this term before? Somebody asked me, you asked me this morning if I had a new word, and I do actually I forgot that I did. You know me with new, I didn't, by the way, just to be clear, I didn't make this one up. This is an actual word um, or an actual phrase. Um, so the great resignation, 2021 was a lot of things. It was an interesting year. Um, there were more lockdowns and more COVID variations, but there was also something else that happened. There was an unprecedented wave across the world of people resigning from their jobs. And there's been a lot of research and stats in this right across the world. This is particularly in America, but um, everywhere else too. And what happened was that literally millions of people in April 2021 alone, four million people in America resigned from their job. Um, and there was 2021 uh, work trend index um, research done of 30,000 people from 31 countries. And they analyzed all the data, productivity, all sorts of things. And like all research and statistics comes from certain information sources. So let me just be clear in this. This research was done by Microsoft, okay? So this is the research of the privileged. Um, it includes perspectives from um, people studying uh, social trends and all that sort of stuff too. But um, I want you to look at a few of these stats. It's going to help us um, as we're thinking today. Johnny, can you go back a slide? Yeah, there we go. So in April 2021, 4 million people resigned from their jobs. 40% of the global workforce is ready to quit. 54% of people are tired of feeling burnt out. Think about that phrase. They're tired of feeling burnt out. It's not that they're burnt out, but they're actually tired of continually feeling burnt out, which is even worse. 39% of people want to be their authentic selves at work. Now, there's an, another interesting phrase. They want to be their authentic selves, but they can't be. So um, I was thinking about this. So there's quite a lot of other, so 39% of people want to be their authentic selves. So there must be a percentage of people who are their authentic selves, and there must be a percentage of people who don't want to be their authentic selves at work as well within that statistic. Um, and then the next one is really interesting too. 40% of people left their jobs simply because of burnout. And there's 54% of them were in healthcare, 52% were in the food service industry. 28% of people left companies without another job lined up. That's how desperate people were. Very often people moved to something else. And 56% of them were in healthcare and the food service and hospitality industries. And they just had to get out. 37% of people were looking for better money, um, and there's all sorts of other statistics around that too. But I, I find all of this stuff really, really fascinating. There's no doubt the stress and anxiety caused by the ongoing pandemic is contributing to some of the factors that you're seeing in these trends. You know, people are working from home, they've been furloughed. But one of the reasons why this is happening, I think, is because there was a moment, an opportunity, in which people started to evaluate their lives and their work and think, why am I doing this? Why am I putting up with this? I don't like this. I would like to do something else. Now, these are all thoughts of the privilege, by the way. But it's fascinating that 
at this time of disruption, people started to make different choices. Because what you do really matters. And how you feel about what you do really matters. The same sort of societal trend actually happened in 2007, 2008. And here's another word that I didn't make up, okay? Um, in 2007, 2008, they called it the unemployed. So unemployed with an F in the front, yeah? That's good. Um, but it was people who lost their jobs during the last recession and felt better for it. They felt happy, they felt relieved, you know, the stress was off them because the job that they hated, that they kept doing, was gone. And something else there was an opportunity for. And so it's not always possible to leave your career and start another one. Um, it's not always possible to be in a place where you love your job. But whatever we do, we believe that God cares about our work and what we do and how we spend our time in that. And you might be in a different season where you're, where you're not working for one reason or another, but we, you know, we've all kind of been there. We've all been in that place and um, where we don't like what we do. It stresses us. We feel anxious. And if there was an opportunity to leave or to go, we would do that. And maybe we're like that percentage of people who just like had to go anywhere. They didn't even have something lined up. But I just would like to take a moment now to stop and, and say, if your work is stressing you out, if you feel anxious, if you feel like I'm in the wrong job, if your work every, every Monday morning you feel sick about, I'd love to pray with you this morning. I'd love to pray that God will break into that and into your situation and, and start to change that. And maybe it, it, it happens just in your mind because your job maybe isn't going to change. Maybe it, it happens in your heart. But I believe that God wants us to be at a place where as much as possible we can thrive in our work environments. So let's pray for a minute. God, we thank you that you care for us um, and what we do with our time. And I want to pray for those who are struggling in their work situations right now, those that feel stressed or anxious, who find work really, really difficult for whatever reason. And God, we know that you care about that. And so we ask that you would move. First of all, Lord, that you bring your peace and your presence would rest. And God, that you would let those people know that you are with them, that you're never going to leave them, that, Lord, you would continue to journey with them. And for those that are, are desperate to find another job, another career, a different thing, Lord, will you show them the path? Will you give them the courage? Will you give them a vision of a different future? In Jesus' name, amen. So we're focusing today on our quadrants. And so over the last few weeks, as we're thinking about what kind of life rhythms do we want to establish in our lives, we have talked about prayer and abiding. So what our prayer life in terms of communication with God is going to look like, how we're maybe going to take time aside to pray, uh, to think and to read, um, to be intentional about that. Um, and this is what these life rhythms are about. How do we create intentionality that's going to lead us to an encounter with Jesus? 
how we spend our time with our family and relationships. We talked about last week, so if you missed that, it's on the podcast. And this week we're talking about mission and work. And it's a good, good topic to be talking about. Um, and so we want to talk about that and we want to think about that. And, and the first thing I'll say is that like lots of other things in our lives, our time and what we do with it needs to be stewarded. And by stewarding, I mean that we would consider that everything we have is given to God as an act of worship. He is Lord of our lives. And so effectively, our time is not our own. But part of how we live is to worship God. And so when we're stewarding our time, we're asking ourselves, what am I doing with what I have been given? There's actually a little verse in Romans 14 that talks about that. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. We'll give an account for how we've spent our time, for what we have done. And so we steward our time. And one of the places, one of the main places that we steward that is in our workplace. Or wherever you spend the majority of your time in this season of life. But when you add to that one of our practices that we have in in this church around creativity... Uh, we're stewarding our creativity and our time in our workplace or where we spend a significant amount of our time. That our faith is expressed in who we are and what we do. And uh, so in Ephesians 2, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And This idea of workmanship literally means his work of art or his masterpiece. So you are a work of art, a wonderful expression of God, and you're called to be creative and to do good things. Sometimes we think that doing good things for Jesus, um, when we compartmentalize things, and I'll talk about this as we go along, is that we go to work and then we go somewhere else to do good stuff for Jesus. Okay? And that is... A nonsense that we're going to talk about. It's so important that we realize that our work is the work, that our work is our witness, that what we do and who we are in the workplace is us being Jesus. And we need to steward that, but we also need to steward that with creativity. We're called to be creative people. We're called to express the love of God and for people to see who Jesus is through us. And I can't even creatively move one page to the next. Um, So let me tell you a little about my jobs in case you think I've only ever been a pastor and never really done any real work. Um, I'm sure none of you actually think that. Um, So my first full-time job, the title was Documentation Clerk. Okay? And that was a fancy little title which hid the fact that at times it was the most boring job in the world. That... I literally spent hours on end typing in codes into a machine or photocopying for up to five hours at a time. Now, you might think, well, sure, the photocopier is photocopying, right? You're not actually photocopying. But does anybody know the thing about photocopiers is that an unwatched photocopier always jams? You know, you can stand in front of it and it will photocopy all day, but the moment you walk away, it'll be looking for toner. There'll be something wrong with its drum. There'll be no paper, even though you put paper in it. 
that something will go wrong. So anyway, I stood in front of this photocopy for hours and hours on end. And this was a really monotonous job. And, but early on in this job, I thought about this little scripture. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. And I thought, like, is it possible to photocopy for the Lord? That just sounds ridiculous. But I did think, I need to do whatever I'm called to do as if I'm doing it for God, to the best of my ability to glorify him, because that's what I get to do all day, every day. And in some way, it needs to be part of my worship. And I need to do that in a way to honor him, to thank him for the fact that I have the health to do the job, that I have the privilege of education, that I have an opportunity handed to me that I can have a job that's inside where there's heating and electricity and it's all great. And so it, it became part of my worship. I thought, this is terribly boring. I'm going to do this to honor you, God. And our attitude is, our, our, our work in terms of its function is really important, but our attitude is just as important that we would choose to be a positive person in the workplace, that we would be a good team member, that we would be friendly. A witness in the workplace, we need to be good witnesses in our character and godliness to show Jesus to those around us. Now, you would think that that's common sense for a Christian, wouldn't you? But I have to say, in my experience, sometimes Christians make the worst work colleagues. I found that out over time. And I've been in that category myself. I once heard um, of a Christian, uh, so and I, this is actually from um, my old boss. She said, oh, I used to work with a Christian years ago, and I caught them on. They were constantly preparing Bible studies um, when they were supposed to be working. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I don't even know who that person is, but I'm going to apologize on their behalf, because in their head, they think they're probably doing the greater work, preparing Bible studies in work time, right? But that's not okay, because they're supposed to be doing their job. Um, but I think how Christians um, relate to the workplace kind of um, can affect how they behave. So like some can begrudge their work and think, you know, if I can get this work done, if I can get this job done, then I can do stuff for God, then I can do stuff for Jesus. Right, And when you compartmentalize your mind, you go in and you're just like, I'm going to do my job, and then I'm going to go out and do really things that I like, you know, which is like going to church, being involved in missional stuff, you know, whatever it happens to be. But what happens then is the people in your workplace have a really negative experience of Christians. You're like, there's your man, comes in, does a minimum, hardly talks to anybody, and leaves. Um, and they're really unhappy, and they're only ever excited or enthusiastic about what they do in church. We see, for a lot of people, their workplace is a really, really important environment, and it should be for us too. And so if it's not for you, the challenge is, how can you change that? You, you maybe slipped into that attitude or that mindset of, let's get in there and get this done. And... Another area where Christians in the workplace end up being really just not great work colleagues is that um, we already have loads of friends. We have more than enough friends. And so we go into our workplace and we do our bit and we say hello and we're nice, but we never build friendships with people in work because we've got lots of friends outside of work, lots of friends in church. 
And again, I, I don't think that's what Jesus would do. I, I, I think Jesus would give the fullness of himself to his work environment. And so if Jesus was a documentation clerk, he'd be the best photocopying documentation clerk that there's ever been. He'd probably find some miraculous way to the photocopy would never break for Jesus. But... Um, he would. He'd be a great work colleague. He'd do a great job, but he'd also be a good friend to those other people in that workplace. He would take the time and spend the time to build a relationship with them, even if he already had enough friends. This is a bit of a bugbear of mine. I'm trying to hold back, but it really annoys me that Christians have that attitude in the workplace. Um, because I see so many people and their work colleagues are their social circle, they are their friends. And if we choose not to engage with that at all, you know, people don't, people don't like that, and I don't think it's a good witness. And I think we need to be fully present where God has placed us. Fully present where he has placed us. Because we're called to be his witnesses. Is what, that's what it says. One of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples is, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when, when he comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? In your locality, and the wider locality, and the wider locality again, and the locality that you're in most of the time, it's your workplace. We need to be fully present there. We're called to play our part in presenting, representing God about how we live our lives. And that'll look different for a lot of us. And uh, if you do have a Bible, because I'm just going to pick a couple of bits and pieces out of this um, next uh, verse that will be on the screen, if you want to turn to Colossians 3. And in Colossians 3, from verse 15, it says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in this little passage, we read that let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since you're members of one body. And I think about being part of a body, and Paul talks about this um, in, in some of his other letters, is that there's one body but many parts. We all do different things. We um, have different gifts and abilities and skills. But everything that we do, we're told, it, it, whether in word or deed, is in the name of the Lord, and it's for him and expresses who he is. So with the body of Christ, if you're the body of Christ, what you do and who you are in your workplace represents Christ himself, is a witness to him and to his goodness. And that is really, really important about to your workplace. Now, you may think, well, he's kind of talking a bit about, you know, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We don't tend to do that in the workplace. He's kind of talking about the church, isn't he? He's not talking about your workplace. But if you go down a little bit further... In that passage to verse 22, and it says this Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. 
Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Okay? It's Jesus you're serving. And, and okay, not many of us um, are slave with an earthly master. Sometimes our workplace can feel like that is the case, but it is technically not. But we do have these people in authority over us. Um, and we need to, to actually do everything to the best of our ability, whether they're watching us or not. And so as we start to think about our quadrant of work and mission, could it be that this year you could set yourself some goals about your workplace that involve things like praying for your work colleague, praying um, for your workplace and for the success and thriving of the business that pays your salary? Could it be that you decide that I'm going to be one of those people in the workplace that encourages others? Sometimes workplaces are very competitive and, and there isn't much encouragement, but could you be that person who's going to encourage others? Could one of your goals this year, one of your life rhythms actually be, I'm going to build some relationships with people in my workplace so that maybe by the end of this year, I would consider them to be a friend. Um, one of the things we like to do in this church is to run Alpha. And you can only really invite somebody to Alpha if you've built a relationship with them. Maybe you've built a relationship with them to the point where they would view you as their friend. And maybe in being their friend, inviting them to Alpha is a natural thing to do. Now, we should never just build a relationship with people to get them to come to church or get them to come to Alpha. Because, number one, they'll see straight through that. But number two, I don't think that's what Jesus would do. I think that Jesus would be friends with somebody regardless of whether they decided to follow him or not. Maybe you'll choose this year to invest in some work-related social events. Now, if you have a problem with alcohol, that's maybe not a good thing for you to do, okay? So you need to decide, is this something that I can do based on my own circumstances? But... It's amazing how many fantastic conversations I've had over the years when I choose to do the things that everybody in my work wants to do when it comes to social events. That being there, you get to talk about things that you never got to talk about before. I've, I've got to pray with people. I've got to share Jesus with people. Um, I've got to see people who maybe were following Jesus at one point in the past in their life open up to me and go, I want to do that again, and I've helped them to, to do that. Because I've been there where they are, and I've been able to connect with them. But the other thing when I've, we're thinking about this um, quadrant about work and mission is this. And it's okay to talk about this. And because I'm going to use the word holy in front of it. Ambition. It's okay that when you're thinking about what you want to do this year in your workplace, that you think, you know what, I want to do really well. In my workplace, I want to get a promotion in my workplace. I want to succeed in business. I want to change my job. God loves you, and he wants you to see you thrive in your workplace. And so some of the things that you can do is to set yourself a goal that looks like something happening, that looks like success in your workplace, in your career path. Um, and trying to figure out what that looks like, 
and what God's calling you to do in that can be difficult. So, a wee question, I think. What time is it? 25 past. Okay. What does your mission field look like? Where do you have influence? So if you're going to think about this year and filling out that little quadrant in a wee minute, what does your mission field look like? Where do you have influence? And, and the thing is that there's a big difference between influence and authority. Not all of us have authority. We don't think we can change the work environment that we're in because we, we're not one of the managers or we don't have one of the top jobs. That doesn't matter. Some of the most influential culture-setting people that you will find in a workplace are, are some of the people who maybe just open the door for others or who clean the office or who answer the phone. They can actually have more influence than those that have a job title that, that says that they have authority. So ask yourself, where has God placed me this year? What would it look like for me to start bringing his kingdom what does God want me to do this year in my workplace? And then as you're thinking as well, there might be other areas above and beyond your workplace that you are involved in, that you have influence in. So um, because I work in church all of the t a lot of the time, I intentionally think about in other environments that I'm in. So one of the things that I do um, is that I volunteer with the local food bank, and I do a number of things um, with that. Um, yeah, another thing that I do is that I'm now a football-watching dad. I stand every Saturday morning and watch football in the freezing cold. But I stand with other parents. And I've got to know those, those other parents. And I invest in relationship with them because they're in my field of influence. And so one of the things that I'm thinking about this year is how can I intentionally spend time with them to get to know them? So I can share my faith, share my life, connect with them. I'm also a neighbor. So one of the, the, the fields of influence that I have is, is the fact there are people who live near us. And again, Christians can be the worst neighbors because they're too busy going to meetings and going to church to spend any time with the people who live next door to them. And so Debbie and I, uh, over the last year, have really got to know one of our, um, our next-door neighbors uh, really well. And so we, this last year, we've shared meals together. We've borrowed um, DIY tools from each other. You know, we've had lots of laughs and conversations over the fence. We've passed contraband over the, the fence um, a few times. We've borrowed food and different things from each other. And that has enriched my life, you know, I'm not just connecting with them because I want them to become a Christian as much as I do. But actually, in, in investing in that relationship, it's good for both of us. So maybe you've got to know some of your neighbors a bit more during lockdown. What does it look like to continue investing in that relationship? And lastly, before we take a few minutes to look at our quadrant, what is your season in life? So this season, you might spend a lot of time in your workplace. You might be retired, and so your, your sphere of influence looks different. How, how busy you are looks different. You might be caring for a family member, and that's taking up most of your time. You might find yourself, as COVID restrictions are just lifting, starting to 
to step into more social environments and connect with more people. And maybe there's a wee bit of fear or apprehension around that because you know, things are changing and it's uncertain. You might you know, find that you have loads of free time and that's something that you want to invite God into to figure out what is it that I want to do with my time. But following Jesus in all of life looks like intentionality. So we're going to stop for a minute or two. We're going to get our little quadrants out and you're going to think, what does it look like for me? So here's mine as much as, um, yeah. Uh, so I put down that I'm going to work on community transformation strategy for church. Woohoo! Because um, that's one of the things that I do for my job. The second one is that I'm going to help develop a plan for... Uh, strategic plan for food bank and food hub. I'm going to invest in my relationship with my neighbours. And so I thought, well, I, I want to do that, try and do that on a weekly basis. So I'm going to put down a specific there. I'm going to serve at Connect Cafe, which is our free uh, Friday morning community cafe environment. Um, it happens here. Um, I'm going to start an anti-poverty forum because there isn't one. Um, and uh, you know, so I've set myself a target to do that by the end of March. Um, oh, the one before it, and CVS panel meetings, really exciting. But the community and voluntary sector, which is all the community groups that, that connect um, together, feed into community planning. Sorry to bore you, but that's one of the places where I strategically want to invest my time in. Spending time with other parents at football each week, and I'm going to write out my new My Five card with the people that I want to pray for. So that's what my kind of work mission balance looks like. I know it's a lot, but um, I was chatting to Al um, this week about it, saying that if you put about five or six things down in all of these four quadrants, then you say it's, say it's five, five, four, 20. There's no way you're gonna be able to do them all. So at the end of the four weeks, one of the things we're gonna to have to do is score out some of this stuff, because it's not very, very realistic. But let's take a couple of minutes now so get your phone out and think about mission and work. What does that look like for, the, for you this year? Or if you need one of the physical sheets, um, stick your hand up and we'll give you one of them and a pen. And you can start to scribble down some of the things that you want to do in that quadrant. Okay, as Chris, um, as Chris said, um, well... You know, the, the idea is each week, you know, to provoke thoughts, to allow you some time to reflect and, you know, to go away from this place and reflect a little bit more. Last one, last week we're doing, the, we're doing the last quadrant, which is about rest and health. So it's like, how do we do, which we'll look at, how do we do all of this in a healthy way? And, uh, and, and uh, we'll talk a little about Sabbath and other things that help us to think about how we make sure we, we're realistic. And so don't get, um, don't allow yourself to get stressed. <laughs> by what you write down, because the whole process of this is actually to do the opposite, to help you order life in such a way that becomes about the unforced rhythms of God's grace in your life. And, uh, and, and so next week, what I'll do when we do the rest one, I'll explain about how we're going to have a, a, a kind of nicer card done out, like, which means that you can take all the doodling and all the notes and all the reflections you've done over the last few weeks and enter it into a card that you can maybe hold and use and pray through. Um, over the next year, but um, I found that really challenging and really helpful this morning that Chris has brought us. I think it's 
brilliant for us to think about where we find ourselves every day. How do we pr- be present? How do we show up? How do we show up with the presence of God and be that non-anxious presence where God has called us to be? But also, I've just been really struck, and I just want to finish with this in prayer now. Um, I've just really been struck by the whole, I've been reading through the Bible plan, the whole thing about Joseph, you know, and how Joseph, after two years, this has caught me at the minute, after two years, we're nearly two years through this thing, that he, 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 he went into a place of influence. He had this holy ambition. He always had it. He always had holy ambition. He just didn't use it very well when he was young, told everybody they were going to bow down to him, you know. But when, when he got to a certain point, you know, he was able to influence. And, and we, you know, I think there is something coming. Um, we get a sense that well, we still need to be cautious and all that uh, to an extent and appropriate is maybe a better word. That God wants to start faith in us for the moment that we find ourselves in, to, to lean into where God has us, to move forward with the confidence of the Lord, to help shape um, the places that we find ourselves in with his goodness and his glory and the solutions that he has when uh, others don't. And so we really want to pray for you. Would you stand and let me pray over us and over you today as we finish and close. Um, God, I, I just want to thank you for this word through our hearts today, Lord. And as we think about, Lord, the places where you've called us to serve you and to live for you, Lord, we, we, we pray, Lord, that you would um, over today and the days ahead, Lord, in this new year, God, that you would give us, Lord, a sense of purpose, so God, that's deeper than what we've carried before, Lord, a sense of um, being called to where you want us to be and to become aware of some of the dreams that you're putting in our hearts and the holy ambition that you're putting in our hearts to uh, bring the influence that you have given us, to grow in that, to be enlarged in that, in order to see, Lord, your, your kingdom come and your glory demonstrated, Lord, in our workplaces. And Lord, we pray we'd be challenged about, Lord, our time, how we steward it, the relationships we build. And Lord, as, as Chris even prayed earlier, pray for those who, God, are in a, in a transition and in a moment where, Lord, they, 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 they don't feel life and that you may be shifting something or moving something, God, we speak into that situation, God, your um, wisdom and your favor and your provision and, your tr- and, and the ability to trust you in the midst of that, Lord. So continue just to speak to us, Lord, as we, as we try to get practical and apply this to our lives in the days ahead. And I pray you continue on with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great stuff. Um, you're, very, you're very welcome for prayer if you'd like that. Um, please do stick around. If you go and get your kids, so that would be brilliant if you, if you have them signed in the kids stuff. And if you need any help, uh, Wilson's here as well. If you need any help with the child protection forms, please do um, avail of that.